Good morning, everybody. Okay, Boxing Day. Let's go. It's the end of the year. I'm not going to ask you who's excited about 2021 being over. That's a little too depressing for our time this morning today. But we are. We are just about to embark on a new year. And it comes with all kinds of things. Some, some of us look back on the year behind us with a little bit of maybe regret or we think about what we couldn't do in 2021, what we hoped. <laughs> Remember when we were like, let's light a fire on 2020 and let it watch it burn as we go into 2021. And now we're like, it wasn't that much different, was it, 2021? No. So we, we know that there is a, a new start coming. We know that there's a new day. And we know that we are ending a new year. And so I want to talk about that this morning in light of our series, this last message in our series, our season of hope. And this particularly here in our Christmas series that we are secure in the future. So let me ask you this. Have you ever lost something? Uh, have you ever lost something? <laughs> I mean, not just your keys or your wallet. I'm sure all of us have done that. Uh, Miss Margaret was showing us this morning that for Christmas, she got uh, one of those Apple things that you put on your keys so that you can, your phone, you can put a thing on your phone and then it sends a signal to your keys and it like beeps and tells you where they are because she loses her keys that much. That, that's what she asked for Christmas. So she's very, she was very excited. She's like showing everyone, look, look, I'm not going to lose my keys in 2022. I'm so excited. So it's not about losing your keys or your favorite socks. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about, I know this is a little depressing. I'm sorry about that. But have you ever like really, really lost something? Like, um, like a job that you loved or, or needed, of course, or a home or a marriage or someone you loved. I'm sure all of us can fit ourselves into a category where we have really experienced some deep loss in our lives. And even the most pessimistic person in the world doesn't enter into things expecting to lose them. Like you don't buy a home expecting to lose it. You don't take a job expecting to be fired or to be laid off. You don't enter into a marriage expecting it to end in divorce. Like you just, you know, we don't, we don't enter into these things expecting a poor outcome, right? We always see future possibilities in that home or that marriage or that, that, uh, that job or that person we love. And so when something is truly lost, how do, you ex- how do you explain what that feeling? It's sort of like empty or raw or shock or heartbreak and all of those, those kinds of things. And I really hope you don't know what I'm talking about, but chances are very, very good that you do. Two weeks ago, we read a passage from Matthew where the disciples were making comments about the temple. They're uh, like just walking out of the temple and being like, Oh, Jesus, look around. Look at this building. Isn't this an incredible building or uh, set of buildings? And Jesus says that every stone will be thrown down. And then, uh, like, uh, of that building that they were admiring so much. And, and sure enough, in 70 AD, so maybe around 40 years later, the Romans did, in fact, destroy that temple that they were walking through. And, and for the Jews, this was a devastating loss. You talk about loss this was a really, really big deal for the Jewish people because that, that first temple was built by Solomon in about 950 BC, and it was unbelievably stunning. If you read the uh, Old Testament account of what that temple was like in 1 Kings chapter 6, it was really absolutely, it was like people just couldn't believe how incredible it was. And that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587-ish uh, BC when they conquered Jerusalem and they led uh, Uh, thousands of people into exile. Very sad story for the Jewish people. And so then uh, decades later, uh, some of the Jews were allowed to go back. Uh, The the king of 
the king of Persia, Persia had conquered Babylon, and then King Cyrus allowed some of the Jews to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And you can read all about that in the book of Ezra, specifically. There's lots about it in there. And it wasn't the same as Solomon's temple, that original temple, but it was on the same site, and they were, they were happy to see the temple coming back together. But those who were old enough to sort of remember it or have heard the stories about Solomon's temple before it was destroyed, there was still a little bit of sadness. Okay, it's never quite the same as the original. And then when Herod the Great was king of Judah, this is a long time later, and this is the same Herod the Great, this, this, uh, this was, he was the king when Jesus was born, uh, so you might remember him from Jesus' from Jesus' story. He's the one who spoke to the wise men, and he's the one who uh, gave that terrible edict to kill all the baby boys in, in Bethlehem. So this same King Herod, he actually did extensive renovations to the temple before, before Jesus, just, just slightly before. And, uh, he, and, and then he extended the temple and made it an even bigger site, which is probably why the disciples were enamored by it. Uh, because not too long before they said that to Jesus, it had been renovated and expanded from what it had been when it was rebuilt um, after, after the exile of the Jewish people. And then after all of that, it had been, all that it had been through, a thousand years after it was built by Solomon, the Romans completely destroyed it and the city of Jerusalem. Now you think to yourself, that's a long time ago. That's 2,000 years ago. Why is it not rebuilt? Well, the Jewish people have made actually three major attempts to rebuild the temple since the time the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. And they have all failed for some reason or another. And today, the site of that temple is the home of Dome of the Rock, which is an Islamic shrine, which you may have heard of. And it is one of the most contested religious sites in the whole world. So this is this temple. And you might say to yourself, wow, this just feels like a Boxing Day message, doesn't it? This is a, a season of hope. I love where we're going with this right now. Why are we talking about this on Boxing Day? And as usual, I'm very glad you asked. I'm assuming you're asking. I just like to assume that. So the temple was really, really important because of, for the Jewish people because it was a, a place that represented the, uh, God's presence. And it was a place where God's presence continued to be and continued to show up. It was a symbol for them that God was with them, that he was their God, and that they were his people. It was a representation of who they belonged to. It, it was the center of their lives and worship. Um, it was, was all about coming to that place and, and traveling there and, and giving sacrifices. It had so much meaning to them about who God was and what he had promised them and how much they could trust him and all of those things. Really, the temple symbolized that for them. And, and it, even more than that, because with, with the temple in mind, they, they really, the Jewish people held on to the belief that one day God would come and make things right and just. And part of, we talked about that the last few weeks, we, they called it the day of the Lord, when he would come and bring final justice and would do the things he had promised and make everything right. And part of that final restoration was that the temple would finally be restored. Okay, so you have to understand this is part of their future understanding. And so when the Romans completely destroyed it to rubble in 70 AD, you can imagine after all of that history and after all that they believed and what it symbolized for them, what kind of a devastating loss they would have been staring at that rubble with. If you're a Jew and you're staring at a pile of rubble in 70 AD, utterly helpless to do anything about it. The Romans were way too strong. 
And you can know that you've been taught since childhood that that temple was a, a symbol of the presence of God. And the center of your worship and the center of your culture and the center of your ethnicity even, you can imagine the loss they, feel, they felt. So I want you to keep that in mind. There's a reason I'm telling you this story. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. If you're new with us, no problem. Revelation's easy to find. It's right at the back. It's the last book of the Bible. And uh, chapter 21 is the second last chapter in the whole Bible. Okay, Revelation 21. And you can also, of course, jump on the YouVersion app, go to more, and then events, and then you can find this. And these scriptures are already preloaded for you there. So now I want you to remember what I just told you about the temple, and I want you to hear, uh, this is John, uh, the Apostle John, yet the same, the same John who walked with Jesus, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. Uh, this is John, he's been given visions, a revelation of Jesus, he's been given visions, and uh, he's writing all of these things down that he's seeing and hearing, and here we are near the end of, of what he's written down, and here is the vision that he's given, and here's what he sees in the first seven verses of Revelation 21, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Uh, we'll get to verse 8 in just a second. Here's what Isaiah, we've been reading this, this verse a lot, but uh, here's, here's what Isaiah says when he's prophesying this hundreds of years before Jesus came. He said this is what it was going to look like, Isaiah 9, 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so this morning I've entitled this message, When You See an End, He Is the Beginning. Like I said, John received these visions um, at the time of, of the writing of these visions, uh, scholars think that it was about 95 AD. So if you're following the timeline here, decades have passed since the temple was destroyed and since Jerusalem was conquered and also destroyed. And any sane person would be wondering, what about all of these promises that God has made to the Jews? And how could any of all of this destruction in all of this, how could anything be possibly made right? The things that we've been hoping for, the things we've been looking for, the things that you promised, how could this actually be made right? And, and, maybe, and maybe, you know, these, these who had put their faith in Christ, maybe they were thinking, well, maybe all of that doesn't matter anymore because it's not about the Jewish religion, it's about faith in Jesus. And, and so, but still, God did say, and what about that justice that was promised? And what about the reconciliation that was promised? And what about the restoration that was promised? You had to have been thinking that. 
decades after when, when John is writing these visions down. And then this revelation comes and it connects all of the promises that have been given up until that time and talks about the fact that, hey, that's not, that's not like God forgot what he promised. It's still coming and here's what it's going to look like. God hadn't forgotten what he had promised. He hadn't changed his mind about what he had said. He's going to show them how it's going to happen. The temple won't be rebuilt. Not with bricks and stones. Not with a, a labor crew. Not going to try to make it look like Solomon's temple again. All of Jerusalem is going to be replaced with a one that is eternal. And here you don't even hear talk of the temple because what does it say about God's presence? It's everywhere. That everything is going to be made new. Jerusalem isn't going to get a renovation, a fix-up. The rubble isn't going to be removed and we have uh, fresh stones coming in to replace the temple. No, no. Jerusalem doesn't get renovated. A new Jerusalem is, going, is, is already being prepared and it's going to come and take its place. And the point of this, if you read it, you, see how it says a new uh, Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. And, and the point of even saying that is that uh, this, this is coming from God. This is something that not human hands aren't building. This isn't something that we're going to try to fix on our own. It's not something that we can do with the best architects and the best tradespeople. We, we, uh, we can't do this with our human abilities. God is preparing the perfect Jerusalem that's going to replace every effort we have had before. And it's going to be exactly what it needs to be. And it's never going to be torn down again. So John here is describing for us a complete transformation of all things. He's looking at a new addition Something completely new, not a renovation of the old. It's brand new. And so I would again say to you, when you see an end, he is the beginning. When they were looking at the end, this, this third time that this had been destroyed for them, an end of what seemed like God's promises, a, a being forgotten, God says, no, I'm only just getting started. I have a beginning for you that you cannot even imagine. There's so much connection between this vision of John's in uh, Revelation 21 and the rest of Scripture. It's not like these ideas and, and images came out of nowhere. There's so much. I've dropped uh, these for you in the YouVersion event today if you're interested in looking at them for yourself. But uh, Scripture talks about a new Jerusalem. Uh, Old and New Testament in Isaiah 54 and 65 and 66 and Galatians 4 and Hebrews 12 and Haggai 2 and Ezekiel 48. Scripture talks about the, uses this phrase that he will be our God and we will be his people in Leviticus and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Song of Solomon. The fact that um, when God comes and, and restores all things, they, he will wipe, don't you love this? He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning, and the old things will pass away and everything will be made new. These things were prophesied a long time before this, in Isaiah 4 and 44, and in 2 Corinthians 5. So in other words, God has not abandoned or forgotten you. He has not abandoned or forgotten any of his promises. He is still working on this plan. He sees and he understands and he still has the best possible outcome in mind. And it will happen. In John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, I love this promise of Jesus, just really the deep, excellent promises of Jesus. In this world you will have trouble. 
in 2022, you will have trouble. Hallelujah. I didn't get any amens. Online, anybody? Off campus, Pastor Ethan, anybody? No? Okay. Thank you, Pastor Ethan. Yes. Because of course, he says, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. He tells us these things so that we, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the trouble, can have what, does it say? Peace. Right. And this whole series has been put together to point us to hope in every situation. For reconciling the past. For overcoming everything that we face in the present. And for knowing that we are secure in the future. Your life might be full of endings. And it it probably will be. That's the nature of life in this world. You might be sitting here, you might be uh, in your living room right now, and you feel the sting of a loss. Maybe you're right in the middle of one right now. I'm really sorry. Especially this season. Man, does it ever sting. It's hard. And unfortunately, we all know, all the kids are gone now, so we're all the grown-ups are here together, you know. We understand That the older you get, the longer you live, the more certain it is that endings will be a part of your story, right? We just know that's true. But I'm here to tell you and remind you that if you have put your faith in Jesus, like the Israelites staring at a pile of rubble, you have every reason to still believe that uh, that your future is secure and that you can hold on to hope every single day. Now, of course, there's a warning. I told you we'd get to it. There is a warning in Revelation 21 as well. In verse 8, you can, you can go back to where we were in Revelation 21. The warning is this, right after the section that I read, says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So scripture tells us here that the cowardly which is an interesting way to start this this warning, that the cowardly, which is those who put their interests or their own safety in front of their faith in Christ, that they put themselves first and they make sure that they're safe first and then anything else comes secondary. That would be what cowardly means here. Cowardly are not going to inherit any of this. It says those who practice magic arts or are idolaters, which Colossians tells us is people who are greedy. This is idolatry is, is greed. So people who are greedy care about themselves and accumulating for themselves first. And, the, and liars, people who are dishonest. There is punishment and eternal separation from God. Scripture is really clear about that. There is a choice here. This is, what's, this is what's being set up even in this beautiful vision of the future. There is a choice to serve yourself and ignore what God has shown you about himself. And the choice is a serious one. I don't want you to miss that. And it does have devastating consequences. It's, it's really clear. But I do want to say the choice is absolutely yours. It's absolutely yours. And God loves you enough to let you choose. He's not forcing you to love him. He's not forcing you to serve him. He's not forcing you to worship him. not forcing you to put your faith in Christ and what he's done for you. Not at all. But there are consequences to living in a way contrary to how we were created to be in relationship with him. And here's the thing. The end of the world is coming one day. We don't know when that's going to be. We already know that Jesus said don't spend time figuring out the day and the hour. Um, That's not known. But it is coming one day and you can be sure of that. And if that day doesn't come in our lifetime, there will come a day when your life on earth does come to an end. 
I had a Bible college professor who said this all the time. He would be like, it's the most accurate statistic of all time. One out of every one people die. (laughs) Yay, Merry Christmas, (laughs) y'all. But it's true, right? We know that we, we hope to have a healthy and long life, but we understand that there will be a day that we are no longer walking on the earth. So the end is coming, and it may or may not happen when, uh, during our life on earth. But the incredible thing that is uh, true today, right now, is that you have a choice to serve God. And if you do, that end, whether it's when Jesus returns, because that happens in our lifetime, or whether it happens at the end of your life on earth while we're still waiting for Jesus to return, that end for you is only a beginning in Christ. That's the incredible promise that I really want you to hold on to. Let me tell you something that I I hope you know, but I'm going to just say it to you again. There is nothing that he can't make new. There is no brokenness in your life. There is no pain or suffering or loss that he can't make new. There is, there is nothing he can't redeem you from. Oh, you might have to live in the consequences of your decision. That's true. But there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ when you put your faith in Christ. And so I will tell you that he, there is nothing that he cannot make new. Nothing. And that's the work he wants to do in our lives every single day. When we see an end, when we see devastation, when we see loss, he is always the beginning. There's always a beginning waiting for us. In this life, sometimes we do get to see those things. It's such a beautiful miracle. But absolutely and for sure, when there is an end to our life, we are starting a new beginning if we are in Christ. So I would just say to you as an encouragement as we go into 2022, give Jesus all of your endings today and see what beautiful things he can do with them. Give him your life today and know that you will be a part of his ultimate new beginning. Whether that's at the end of your life or when he comes, maybe we're still walking on the earth because we're ready, church, right? We stay ready and we're watching for him and we're making sure our hearts are ready for him. So whenever that end comes for us, that we are always ready and we will be part of his ultimate new beginning. That's the promise. Verse uh, verse 6 in Revelation 21 Um, God says, it is done. It is done. He says, I'm going to read it sideways now. That was a weird place to put my Bible. But it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he says, it is done, which is a really interesting Greek phrase because in English we have to say it like that. But what it actually says in the Greek is they are done. We say they, we hear people, like we hear that's a human. But it just means it's a plural of the word it. (laughs) And so we say it is done in English. But God is saying they are done. Basically, all the things that had to happen in order for this moment to come, for everything to be made new, is now complete. So I have so, that gives me so much hope and confidence in God. It's like not like he's sleeping. It's not like he's forgotten about us. It's not like he's he's like, oh, wait, I was supposed to make everything new. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. I'll I'll get right on that. Not at all. There are things unfolding in the world around us. There are things unfolding in the timeline of human history that he is uh, purposefully watching. He is purposefully um, being a part of and orchestrating. And so that waiting for all of these things, it or they are done. And then this will be able to happen. God hasn't forgotten. He's got his perfect timing in mind and it can always be trusted. 
So if your future or the future here feels problematic in some way to you, I want you to know, he says, listen, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't fallen asleep on the job. I understand what needs to happen and it is working. Watch and wait. When you see endings here, oh, oh, children, come. I'm the beginning. I've got a be- uh, the best, the best beginning for you. He knows the beginning from the end. He loves you unconditionally. And so he is inviting you into an eternity that is safe and secure forever. That's the promise when we put our faith in Christ. So that's why I put my trust in him. I read these scriptures and I believe them with all of my heart. I, I know that the chances that I'm going to experience loss in 2022 or sadness or brokenness or I'm going to mourn or I'm going to cry, I'm going to have pain of some kind are very, very good. Unfortunately, <laughs> I hope that's not true of you. But, you know, reality says. But I am fully confident to put my trust in Jesus for this next coming year. Because whatever happens, he is working a plan for this world. He is working a plan for my life. And anything in this world that comes to an end, I can trust him with the next beginning. Because he can make everything new. So I want to invite you, friends, will you join me in trusting God for 2022? Whatever that means for you. Whatever part of your life you want to, you're just really struggling to understand or believe in him whatever piece of that puzzle or whatever's come, maybe you need to tuck this in your heart for later in the year or whatever that is, will you join me in trusting him with 2022? Let's stand together. Lord, we we stand in your presence in, in your church and among your church. And we, we want to pray Um, that you would help us to trust you with everything that is coming up in this next year. I pray, Lord, that even as we've been talking about hope for many, many, many weeks now, that this message would be so deeply driven into our hearts. Make us people of hope no matter what this next year brings to us. That we would understand that nothing in our past, nothing in our present, and nothing in the future is ever a reason to be without hope. In fact, we are the people who carry the peace of Christ with us because we serve the one who has overcome the world. So thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that in every, every situation that we come up against that we think, I just don't know how to see this in any way except for sadness and pain and mourning, even in the middle of those things and even in the middle of our grief, which is uh, totally a, a part of the human experience. Help us to be people of hope and to understand that for every time we see a pile of rubble in our lives, that it's nothing to you to be able to make that new. And one day, it all will be made new. We'll bring perfect justice and perfect peace and perfect restoration in the way things should be. We put our hope in, in, in the security of that future. And we look to you into this next year. So we take everything that we need to trust you with that we're, we're bringing into this new year with us, and we say, God, we do walk in faith and trust you with our lives, with our families, with our jobs, with our health. 
with everything around us that there's like there's so little we can control, we just trust you, Jesus, that in every ending you are the beginning and that ultimately you will be the beginning that we have for eternity. And we so look forward to seeing you face to face, Lord. So we declare as your church, because of the security we have in a relationship with Christ, that all is well. That all is well. And that you have everything in hand because you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we drop those truths deep into our heart and invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring them to mind as we need them day to day, week to week, season to season, and all in the coming year. And we pray it for ourselves, for our families, and for one another in your church, in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.